following is a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Hi, welcome to the Bike Goes On. This is Brian Casey. I'm here with Sandra Bernstein, as always. And we've got some special guests on the show today. We've got uh, Susan and Jeff Mall, who own Volo Chocolate. And Sandra, I know uh, you are very familiar with this chocolate. You gave me some last week. So um, you want to go ahead and introduce our special guest this week? Yes. Thank you, Brian. Um, I am so excited to see my friends Susan and Jeff, who I haven't seen since the last time we got chocolate, which is a perk of <laughs> ordering chocolate from you. Um, but I am trying to think, where did we first meet? Do we know auction? I think it was at one of the auctions where we were all working on the food. Yeah, either an auction or just... Epcot? Uh, no, not know? Epcot. Uh, may, you know, maybe one of the random events where chefs would gather and do a right. course at, at various things yeah. through, through our years of that's probably chefing it. together. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jeff and Susan, for those of you who don't remember Zen or never got up to Hillsburg to Zen, um, heart and soul restaurant, just put like love, love, love and very well loved by the community. Um, there a long time and also, you know, huge catering business from that. And, um, Jeff's really interesting because he makes most of the tools that he uses to cook food on. So that was like, you're, he's an inventor as Wait well. Wait a minute, you a mean chef. before they started making chocolate? When when yes, you were in a yes, restaurant, yes. you we're were starting, sort of putting... We're starting from where I know them. I'm sure okay. they have full like five lives before that, but I'll just step in on the Zen and then move forward. Well, I just know they've made some hybrid um, type... Um, gadgets in their current kitchens <laughs> yes no that too i didn't know that there was a long history of doing that yes with you. no yeah. like you okay. just invent things yeah well you know it's i've always liked to build things so um you know and, and a lot of things in the chef's kitchen are already built but then um you know sometimes you need like a pig roaster that doesn't exist and you want to figure out how to to build it and fortunately i grew up uh, learning a lot of skills in um woodworking and metalworking uh, so I just, I love to create things. So I built various rotisseries and grills um, for our catering. Um, and that just kind of, you know, it, it keeps going forward, even in the chocolate business. Wow. So are you making molds? We have. He has. Yeah, yeah. We, we have made yeah. mold for a, a custom client. Oh. Um, and uh, yeah, when we're still building things. Yeah. Wait a minute, it's are you so allowed fun. to talk about that? <laughs> yeah, we yeah. just can't tell you how much they pay. Okay, no, I don't want to know <laughs> that. I want to know. I want to know what you're making. What kind of mold did you make? Um, so we had a company, um, a, a friend of ours uh, works for, and they had requested their logo, wanted chocolate bars done with their logo, and so we looked at the logo, and said, oh, that's a pretty simple thing we can reproduce." So. We did it, and uh, using food grade uh, silicone, you know, uh, molding material, uh, made um, our own chocolate bar molds. Cool, specifically That's just for them. Yeah, yeah. so That's it was great. That's awesome. See, who knew? I asked for a fig bar, but if I knew it could have my name all over it, that would have been fun too. <laughs> um, well, let's go. Okay, so we're at Zen, and anything you want to talk about in regarding of the years it's in and transitioning or well you know so uh zen we were there for just shy of 16 years wow. and I, I had a business partner and uh we'd known each other a very long time um and you know as things went on we were 
kind of going different directions. And uh, I think it, you know, it, at the end of about 15 years, he really wanted to do something else. And um, we were kind of thinking what to do, um, you know, how to proceed. And we basically all realized the, the thing to do was to, to just move on, to uh, let go of the restaurant. Uh, it just so happened that Dustin Vallette was um, looking to buy a restaurant just when we thought about selling a restaurant. And it's it one convenient. of those very convenient, worked out great. Um, you know, we suddenly found ourselves in, you know, January 1. Uh, we had just sold the restaurant and realized that in six weeks we were going to be driving to Mexico to um, to go work as chefs at Rancho Pescadero. I think something that, that really is a large part of who we are and who Jeff is is the amount of attention that goes into the detail of things and how far we are willing to go to make something from scratch. Which so, is just really special yeah um, we had our own zinfandel starter well it was from zinfandel grapes we grew in the backyard that jeff took and mashed with flour to create the sourdough starter that we still have alive wow yeah. is that was that the table bread yeah so our, our all we, we baked all our bread in house uh sourdough natural uh zinfandel starter you know we cured all our own bacon um you know, we grew most things on our farm, uh, you know, seasonally. Spring it was Eastside East East Farm. Farm. East yeah. Farm. I remember so. being there. Yeah, so we I had, do. we were beekeepers. Susan was our beekeeper and I was the assistant beekeeper. Um, we also had a lot of chickens for eggs. And so we, um, I mean, we, we, we threw ourselves fully into um, growing everything that we could. And, and really, you know, being a chef, I did not want to... Uh, just buy things that were pre-made. If there was an opportunity to do it ourselves, I, I needed to figure out how to do it. So through all levels of the restaurant, we really um, tried to do that. And the bread was served on wine barrel staves uh. that had been cut and carved in such a way that the butter dish could sit in it. And Jeff's also been able to take the woodworking into our current creations so that's awesome <laughs> um well do you think that guests appreciated it as much as you wanted to do it i think it was both i mean you know we, truly we, we started doing a lot of this stuff especially uh the farm and the garden uh you know before the words um farm to table existed you know back in uh, 2002 was when we started doing this and i don't remember hearing that phrase until you know uh, several years later, but it came through, you know, and people would talk about, oh, you know, this is, you know, if you go to Zen, you know, he, he grew the tomato for the, the BLT or he made the, you know, the bacon and the bread too. And, uh, it, it, it really was fun. And, and, you know, now it's, um, it's one of those things where what we did was, uh, at the time was very unique, very innovative. And now it's almost like, I don't, you'd be challenged to open a restaurant that didn't feature some form of that. Mm -hmm. um, Absolutely. So it was fun being there and doing it. But now we look at each other and I said, where did we get the energy? Yeah. <laughs> I have no seriously. idea. You know, between catering, yeah, uh, farming, you know, parking, taking care of a hundred chickens. And right. and well, all of those things that you were doing, you know, people would think, Oh, it's cheaper if you, 
make everything yourself. It's not. Yeah. It's <laughs> it's just more work. Yeah. I think, you know, I learned that working for Sandra, we'd always say, oh, if we can make a better hamburger bun, let's do it. If we can right. make, I mean, anything, we would try it. And, right. and sometimes you'd say, wow, that's not really worth yeah. the effort. Yeah. yeah, there are times now that like we all of a sudden stop doing something and I'm like, what happened to the passion that we had when we started doing it? Like, yeah. you know, are people going to really realize? But definitely there's something about owning a business and wanting all the passionate things and then realizing that sometimes they are price prohibitive or it takes too much labor or is it really worth it is it going to change that much and you have to make decisions we realized that in a big way on the summer that we were gonna um can uh 55 gallons of tomato <laughs> sauce from all the tomatoes that we grew and that that would be you know a much better idea than buying you know canned <laughs> right. peeled tomatoes and when you realize 55 gallons of tomato sauce in you know um quart jars uh, over the course of a weekend is a lot of canning. Right. Right. Yeah, a lot so, of canning. So then, well, you know, maybe, maybe that canned stuff's not so bad. <laughs> is there a huge right. plastic bag that we can exactly. hang somewhere? Yeah. Right. Oh, my God. I can, I, and the space that that must have taken. Oh, yeah. It, you know, and it, it was, but that was all part of, I mean, that was all yeah, part of the fun. And, and to just keep us really into the, you know, into the food and into, you know, you know, not just as it appears at the back door from the produce delivery, but as it, you know, appears, you know, from the seed company when I first ordered the seeds. I mean, we right. started everything from seed. Yeah. We grew, um, you know, thousands of tomato plants, thousands of peppers. I'd get these calls. Honey, it's 430. We're out of we're out of cherry tomatoes for the salads. Can <laughs> can you go pick? Lovely. I'd be out there. Okay, honey, I love you. Okay, how many do you need? How much? What colors? Uh Um, yeah. That's great. Yeah. I remember you used to send me to get flowers for garnishing the yeah, drinks at the bar. I'd have to stop by and and on your pick way. here at the at the garden. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we did get a little carried away at one point. We we were farming on a piece of land that was way too big, and of course we filled every inch of it. And you realize you've planted too much basil when you're cutting it with a hedge trimmer. <laughs> right. Oh, <laughs> well, it, it. I think we've learned so many lessons, like. You know, when we would plant all the tomatoes and then like so many tomatoes would ripen at once and you couldn't possibly use enough tomato in like all of a sudden every dish had tomato. Oh, yeah. and it's like, OK, if you hate tomatoes, you don't want to eat in our restaurant for the next two weeks because that's what you're going to get yeah. tomatoes. So, I mean, but I think it teaches us so much. Um, I wish it translated all the way through our whole staff. Um, because you realize, you know, the chefs are usually the most passionate about it. And it's sometimes it's hard to get everybody on board. And it, it is, um, you know, so you have to focus on the people that, that did get behind it. Um, you know, we would have part of our kitchen crew go work on the farm for a couple of days. You know, they would a shift or two um, out in the garden. Um, you know, we would draft weekly or did it happen once or twice, once or, tw- once yes. or twice, yes. but, but yes. it, it got For them to see too. it because they, you yeah. know, a lot of times they would just show up and the stuff that I brought in was already there. Right. But then they would really see how insane we were. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And have that level of appreciation. Yeah. 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 And Sandra, you even used to have, you used to have these, um, 
kind of buckets or barrels or baskets or whatever um, near the exit yes. in the patio and the front door when of the had, girl in the fig when you had too many tomatoes or squash. Just gave and she away. would just, yeah. and there would be bags there just and she'd say, yourself. please just take them. Yeah, I mean, yeah. please. Yeah. We didn't have any pigs to give them to. No, we, we did the same thing at the height of tomato season. We would ask the table if they were leaving, hey, would you guys like a little bag of heirloom tomatoes? <laughs> yeah. Nobody turned it down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. who doesn't like a, yeah, a, exactly. yeah, a garden grown tomato? Yeah. And so moving to the next chapter, um, Mexico, and was that a romantic decision to kind of pack it up? And because you were already helping there, you were creating recipes, I believe. Yeah, Mm -hmm. we had been consulting for about five and a half years. Wow. Yeah. 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 So we, we, uh, we were acquainted with Rancho Pescadero just a couple months after they opened. And so for listeners, if you don't know, Rancho Pescadero, it's a flight into Cabo San Lucas, Cabo San, Cabo San Lucas, Jose. and then they opened up that road. So now you can go, it takes what, like an hour mm-hmm. and a half hour, hour, hour. Yeah. to get from the airport. I remember, you know, getting there, renting a car, driving there and it's um, south, south 15 minutes or so from Toto Santos. Yep. Yeah. 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 Beautiful, beautiful part of Baja it's gorgeous yeah 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 so we um you know we'd been consulting there for that time and um the owner of of, of Rancho uh is an American woman from Sonoma from Sonoma I heard. yeah Lisa wow. Harper and uh you know over the years you know we'd go down two or three times a year um and when she heard that we were selling Zinn she's like well what are you going to do afterwards we're like well you know we don't know we're going to kind of just wait and see she says you guys are going to come down to Mexico and cook like well maybe <laughs> not you know we got a lot of things in our t- plate she's like no this is the perfect time for you guys to you know take a year and a half or, or two years and and get away and well, so she, oh, could i just say oh you guys this would be a perfect time to come work for the girl in the face <laughs> <Right>. for a <laughs> few years yeah. i love that yeah but truly you know i jeff and i both grew up going to baja when we were kids and it was part of our lives and so the idea of course, I was much more enchanted by the idea of living down there. And Jeff kept saying, honey, living here and vacationing here are two different yeah. things. Oh, no, no. We're di- oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We learned. Live and learn. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, had you both grown up in Southern California? Is that why you were um, uh, familiar grew- with Baja? Yeah, I grew up in San Diego and okay. um, periodically uh, would travel down about halfway down um, the Gulf of California side of Baja. And then growing up in San Diego, you know, 17 miles away, you'd say, oh, let's go get tortillas or mm-hmm. let's go and have carne asada or let's go to the, see highlight games. Yeah. So oh, I loved highlight. Yeah. But I never, sh- I don't think I saw that in Mexico. I think I only saw it in Florida. Florida yeah. uh-huh. Is that possible? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Florida's huge highlight yeah. community. Yeah. 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 And then, honey, you. Uh, so my, my family, um, small small plane pilots in my family, so um, it was easy to to you know jump in the plane and uh, you know, t- and this is not extravagant by any means, but you know, as a, a, a small Cessna, both my dad and stepfather were pilots, um, and you know, fly straight down there. And did you have to go through customs when you did yeah, that? Yeah, you or would like you would stop in Mexicali or Calexico, depending on. Um, and then, you know, stop 
you know, refuel and, and then fly down. But we did multiple trips when I was, uh, you know, young teenager, early 1980s. So wow. um, if anybody had ever been to Cabo San Lucas back then and compares it to what it is now, I mean, it was a fishing village then with, you know, a couple big hotels, but, but nothing like the development that it is now. And that was one of the things that really drew us to um, Pescadero and Rancho Pescadero was it completely Still reminded raw. me of what Mexico, that part of Mexico was like in the early 80s before very, the development came mm, down. Yeah, very raw, very rural. Um, you know, the saguaro yeah. cactus, the hocotillos. Yeah. Uh, when my mom and I first went to Rancho Pescadero, and this is not, you guys weren't working then, you were consulting but I read something that you were going down there and it was really you know you loved it and I like looked it up and I'm like oh I want to go there this is really cool and I remember we got in and rented a car and drove and you know the road wasn't built yet so it was a really long drive (laughs) and then you make that left turn and my mother's like there is no way the hotel is down here (laughs) and I'm like I am following the directions from the hotel why 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 tell me why Oh, the dirt road and there's no lights and it's dark and there's like fences and it's all farms that mm-hmm. you yeah. just, but you don't know what's behind there because you can't really see. And we got there at night. It was oh, yeah. dark. And yeah. it's by and, my, and you like thinking you're going to like get kidnapped or like something <laughs> yeah, crazy. Right. But, and she's like, there's no way. I'm like, be patient, be patient. And we're bouncing. Oh, yeah. It just, yeah, it was oh, crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's better now. And, and, um, and then it's you, better when they scrape it. But after the rains, they uh, got to scrape it again. Yeah. But yeah, there's nothing like when you get to the gate and you've just like, you know, you've arrived. Right. I mean, you you as soon as you pull up to the hotel, you see the ocean in the background and you hear it and, you know, you're warmly greeted. But the, it takes an adventuresome spirit to to uh, to make that you know choice rather than to go just stay at an all inclusive place right. in Cabo San Lucas. Yeah, right. who's your typical guest there? Is it more like eco tourists uh, sort of people, or is it younger people a l- little more uh, adventurous? Don't younger, just... uh, younger, you know, kind of a healthier lifestyle, yoga, surfers, but you know, young professionals. The main feeder markets for Rancho Pescadero. Um, we're like West Coast, like Seattle, Portland, San Francisco, uh, including Denver and L.A. So those There's were only 20 rooms, 24 yeah, rooms, yeah. Uh, 28 when then. we left. Right. Uh, but always slowly. It was, just you know, every Rally, year a couple yeah. more rooms would uh, yeah. open up and beautiful. I mean, like open air and. Oh, I I loved it. Beautifully yeah. designed, yeah, really. And nice. were you so? Where are you living when they? What did you say? So, okay, we'll okay, come yeah. down. Um, well, you kind of built the new route. Ra- you were there to build the outside restaurant to some degree. Well, we were there to kind of revamp it a little bit. Mm-hmm. It had been built, and it had just. Um, they weren't sure whether this was going to be like a special event space, or whether it would always be open for dinner or for lunch. And by the time that we got there, it had been open for dinner. Um, but it, it needed to kind of be, you know, go to the next level. Um, and so we, you know, when we jumped in the truck to drive down there, it was with our two dogs and a cat. And, uh, you know, we left on, I think, Valentine's Day mm-hmm. of uh, 2015. <laughs> oh, <it's> very romantic. <laughs> and we jumped right into the middle of the busiest season, you know, the busiest time of year. Yeah, we arrived on a Wednesday the 17th. We were at work the next morning at 8. 
Yeah. Wow. And not an easy transition, I can't imagine. No, there were bumps, but you know what? It was, we knew that was going to be the case. And, yeah. and you know, we, fortunately, we're, we're good at, you're um, easy going. We're, we're, you know, and it, it all worked out. You know, it yeah. really, um, we had an amazing time there. Was language an issue at all, or were most people working with you spoke English, or do you speak Spanish? Well, we thought we spoke really great Spanish. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Working in restaurants, of yeah, course. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and in the first hour, somebody used a verb that I didn't know, and I went, uh-oh. And then I answered in Italian, and <laughs> they said, what? And then really simplified the question. And I went back to Jeff and I said, honey, we're so screwed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we, you know, we, um, there were just things like, uh, you know, I thought I knew every uh, Spanish word for turkey. You know, (laughs) I didn't know there were like four others that, you know, depending on what part of Mexico you were from, that's what, you know, guacalote, pavo. I mean, there were all these others. So, um, and it was also, um, the Spanish was just rapid fire. I mean, some of the people spoke like they were auctioneers, some of our coworkers. So that was, you know, a lot of time we were like, mas despacio, por favor. Yeah, <laughs> slow it down. <laughs> our Spanish did get a, a lot better, and they spoke few words of English at all. It was conducting business all day long in Spanish, and um, I had bought several books on what it's like for American companies to go into Mexico and conduct business and what were some of the things that you did do and that you didn't do and what translated and what didn't. And for about the first month, uh, you had asked where we lived. We lived on property. Okay. In one of the rooms? (laughs) No, uh, in the owner's house. Okay. Who was now living more full-time in the U.S., but we went back to the house and I said, honey, we're, we're not reaching them. There is something that we are not doing right. And this is, this is critical. I pulled out one of the management books and I hadn't read it deeply enough to get to the chapter on daily greetings. And it was huge. You go up to the person, you kiss them on you know, either cheek, you give them a hug, you lean back holding onto their arms and look into their eyes and say, how are you? How was your day off? How's your husband's diabetes? Is the baby feeling better? (laughs) What did you do for dinner? Oh, okay. I would have sexual harassment. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. But you had to do that to absolutely every single person. And the day that we did it, they all just started laughing, and it's like we thought that we thought you were mad at us, and oh, wow, and it was right. huge. And there would be a couple days we'd come roaring into the kitchen, and would say hello to everybody. And there was one day that our strongest, most important gal was like collapsing. You could just see her going into herself, and I said, "Honey, honey, something's something's going on. What happened with her?" And he's like, "I don't know," and I went to her and I said what's going on she's like chef didn't say hello to me is he mad at me is it because I wanted to change one day next week to yeah. I said no we're preoccupied uh, and we're silly Americans that get too wrapped up in our work yeah. yeah and then it was the same thing in reverse every night when you left <laughs> you had to go and say goodbye and wow. you know and, and it was a you know it was very it created a very warm 
um, you know, family environment. Mm -hmm. But like you said that, you know, coming from our years of owning a business in, you know, United States, um, that was not something that you could do to, you know, walk in and give all my servers a peck on the cheek and, uh, you know, pull them close. Uh, (laughs) it was, so there were lots of experiences, um, in living and working in Mexico that were just not what we, um, had expected. And so packed up the truck. Wait a minute. How long? So how long did this go on? We, we, uh, we, we worked there for a year and a half. Okay. So and got a good I, response, I imagine. Oh, I mean, yeah, people yeah, loved yeah, yeah, what yeah. you were doing. And I absolutely. went down when yeah. they were cooking in the restaurant mm-hmm. and that was so fun. And actually I got Jeff to myself for a couple of days cause you took off and then came back. Right. You went away. You went, I think I went to San home. Diego. Yeah. It was and around then, Christmas. Yeah. 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 And um, Jeff took me to his favorite taco place in town. And just, you know, it was really lovely, you know, sit by the pool or the beach all day yeah. and come, you know, I didn't help for sure. Well, what kind of food are you doing? Are you doing regional food from that area or are you bringing well, your own California sort of take on food? So one of the things, one of the reasons they first contacted us and brought us um, down as consultants was because of our farming background, our farm to table, uh, you know, thing that we did here in Sonoma County. Um, the one thing about uh, Rancho Pescadero and Todos Santos is that's a it's a lush oasis in the middle of a desert. So there's a natural aquifer. Wow. So you you're driving through desert and you come over this little ridge, and suddenly it's bright green with palm trees and and mangoes and farms growing basil and poblanos. So they had this was one of the few areas where you could actually grow a lot of produce. Mm-hmm. Um, so they had contacted us about going down there to develop. Um, you know, a, a, a farm for just for the hotel. And um, when we went down there full time, we really wanted to um, take that, you know, um, Mexican um, farm and sea to table. And so really, you know, focus on traditional uh, Mexican ingredients from around the country, not just from Baja and kind of, you know, figuring out how we can how we can do the, you know, kind of like the Zen days where we would say, we're going to make this from scratch. So this to the point of we're going to grow our own corn and dry it for our own corn tortillas wow. that we'll make by hand. Wow. So that was what our focus was. And we started, you know, experimenting with uh, Mexican, traditional Mexican ingredients that we had never seen before. I mean, that's where I saw a cocoa bean for the first time in my life. Yeah, a chef, both of us. A chef, yeah. you know, for 30 years or however many years I've been working in restaurants, um, had never seen a cocoa bean. And so we'd find these things and say, well, what, what can we do with them? But, you know, our focus was really, while we were there, was on, you know, taking this bounty of um, Mexican seafood uh, with stuff that we could grow ourselves or was grown locally or, you know, bring in the influence that the Spanish brought in you know, like saffron and olives and capers into, um, you know, various parts of Mexican cooking. And we, we loved it because coming from being a a chef owner, um, to just being the chef and having like your mind free to just really dive into things. And that we hadn't had that opportunity. You know, we've always been like, Oh, I got, you know, insurance, I got payroll. You have all these things to think about, but to really just to be able to be in a pure creative you know, um, zone was awesome. Yeah. Well, did you ever, did any of the employees do, did you do staff meals at the restaurant at all? 
the staff did the staff meals because they fed everybody that worked at the hotel. Wow. So the, the kitchen did produce meals for um, two different shifts, 60 people each time. Wow. Wow. See, and I always wow. find those are the most interesting yeah. meals. Oh, you yeah. Get, you get these takes on food that you, mm-hmm. you know, that aren't in your <laughs> DNA and aren't right. in your history. So it's neat to see what other people are doing and what they grew up eating. Yeah. We, we learned some amazing things. And I don't know if you don't. You didn't have this because they hadn't shared this with us yet. But one of the most um, classic to the area, and when I and I mean this in a serious way, uh, you know, this is a, a dish um, that was first had at a staff meal: um, hot dog ceviche. What? <laughs> you, we kept thinking they were joking. Wait a minute. Yeah. Wait, wait a minute. Were wait, the wait, hot wait. dogs cooked, or did they yeah. cook in the lime juice? Or well, they, they're you already cooked, cooked. Them first. They're already okay. cooked. So yeah. you're not making hot dogs. So the hot okay. dogs are cooked. You okay. take it because where we lived was very rural and it was the one meat that you could depend on. A hot dog. And a hot dog. And they would chop up the hot dog, they'd put in, you know, um, serrano chili, the cilantro, the onion, the tomato, and clamato. Oh. Wow. <laughs> was it good? It was phenomenal. Yeah. It was so wrong. Oh. Yeah. It was just so wrong. But good on yeah. soda crackers. Oh. But that reminds me of Hawaii. We did everything with spam. I mean, right. spam yeah. musubi. Whenever yeah. I go there, I have to go to the ABC store, and people think it's gross, but I have that craving for that spam yeah. musubi. Yeah. Um, right. And, and that's, you know, so you think about it in, in Baja, there's just, you know, there is, you know, fish, but. Outside of that, there aren't, you know, there's, um, there may be a, you know, a rangy old goat that, you right. know, somebody's tied up somebody, <laughs> but there's no, there's not a lot of other proteins yeah, out I there. Yeah, I wasn't overly, like, I wasn't overly impressed by the amount of protein. Yeah. Um, and, but, but it is true. It's very like, you know, parallels Hawaii and spam. Uh, that's why, you know, one of the most famous foods in all of Baja is the snoring hot dog. You know, on the street corners where you find them wrapped in bacon oh and they God, cook them. So oh. I've seen this on TV oh. on oh, some yeah. cooking show uh, where they went. Uh, that, yeah, they Baja looked incredible. Yeah, uh, right. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Grilled onions. You'll see periodically. You'll see the little carts down the down a street. Mm-hmm. But we may have to look at that to do because we were doing. Um, Oh God, kimchi dogs on the tr- off of the truck. We were doing like a Japanese take on a hot dog, but maybe we'll have to revisit this. Yeah. Caramelized onions, yeah. you know, avocado, Ooh. tomato, uh, salsa, um, and no mustard. Yeah, yeah no. They, sometimes a lot of mayonnaise. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we would we would do um, chef. Um, getaways we would invite chefs from around the country to come down and cook for a weekend and it was great for you know as a chef being invited down to you know yeah. they fly you down they put you up you know you cook a couple dinners so it's great so we had an amazing array of chefs that came down and uh, some very big names um, we actually got the um, the hot dog ceviche mentioned in New York magazine wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm making this at home. Yeah. So, okay, we've got to get back to the U.S. of A. And um, we have a huge shift. You get back. Now, when you got back, did you know what you were going to do? No. So you didn't decide in Mexico. Truly, I mean, I think we need to talk a little bit about how much when we started making the chocolate. Because we did start playing with it. We're coming up on a three-year anniversary. 
that we started playing with it and researching it. And, and Jeff, of course, makes the, the incredible, fateful question. Honey, I wonder how hard it is to make chocolate. Now, was did the, but it didn't start in Mexico. It, it did. did. It, it did. did start in Mexico. Yes. And when it was really hot. Not yet. Okay, so, so you were still kind we, of... We, we did this in the December through, you know, like uh, May, when it was still you know, a manageable heat. Um, but that's, you know, that's kind of talking about how I first found a cocoa bean and then, well, what do we Did do it with just, it? was it on the beach? So we had a, a, a small produce company that we, uh, purchased from that was, uh, located in Todos Santos. And, you know, you would go in there and there would be just stacks of dried beans, dried chilies, corn, Rice. you know, fresh peppers, and then sacks of cocoa beans. And I'm like, so you would go to the produce company? Or you could order it. You, okay. B- do both. But you want to, yeah. Yeah. But so that, so we just started saying, well, what do, you know, what do we do with this? And, and how do we, and we started off with as much. Was chef. it the big pods or the, just the beans? It was just the beans. Okay. And so we kind of started off as what a chef would do when you first hand a cocoa bean. It's like, oh. We're going to take the cocoa nibs and we're going to crust something with it, right? Every chef's done <laughs> right. that. So, we you know, we did that and then we figured, Valentine's oh, we'll make some. Day menu. Yeah. We did some sauces and then I'm like, some well, ole. I wonder how it, what it would be to uh, to try making chocolate. And so we did some online research and, um, you know, talked to our coworkers, who some of them came from other parts of Mexico where their families had made traditional chocolate. And we figured, oh, well, let's just give it a shot and... Um, Fortunately, um, one of the articles that I read said that if you're going to make chocolate, you know, the first thing you need are the cocoa beans. Number two, you need this very specialized grinder to process them. And I looked at the grinder and I'm like, honey, that's the one that we brought down to make the corn tortillas. Because we had, you know, we had brought this uh, grinder down with us specifically to, to, for the corn we were, had grown to make the corn tortillas. And we'll, we'll try making chocolate with it. We made one batch of chocolate and then never another t- tortilla ever again. <laughs> <laughs> Is it impossible for that to be a dual purpose tool? No, but the, way more success with the chocolate okay. than the tortillas. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then the, in our, our coworkers, they, they just thought we were insane. Like, what? Well, you know, you, you can just buy this? the tortillas or you can just yeah. buy the masa and make it. Nobody, my grandma doesn't even do what you want right. to do. It, so. Yeah. That's more reason why you want to try it. Yeah. We were all excited. Yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. nixtamalization, call, mm-hmm. put you know, <laughs> lime on it and soak it. And, uh. Yeah. Uh. Um, but yeah, so we started making it uh, while we were down there and experimenting. And, and, and every batch was better than the last one. And we would, um, uh, you know, we would make them in the restaurant. We'd make the chocolate in the restaurant um, as we were opening. So the resor- the dinner would open at like 6 o'clock. However sunset on the beach sometimes wasn't until 8 30 and you don't get any customers until after the sun sets right nobody's right, gonna like right. head up to the restaurant early and and uh right. so we would be sitting there for sometimes an hour and a half or two hours without a customer but try to keep the staff busy so we figured out if we roasted um cocoa beans in the wood oven that we could sit there and peel them and it, first thing is that it makes an amazing aroma. I mean, mm. the most like fudge. just Ooh. aroma through the air, wood smoke and then this, this cocoa coming through the air. Then people would walk into the restaurant, which was, you know, it focused on an open kitchen in the middle of this palapa. Um, and they would say, what are you guys doing? What, what, what's that smell? And 
oh, well, you know, we're, we're making chocolate. These are cocoa beans. We're roasting them and now we're peeling them. And they'd be like, can we peel some? Yeah. <laughs> sure. So it was like this kind of, you know, um, you know, Tom Sawyer moment where we would like, uh, we got everybody to paint the fence for us because the customers <laughs> would come in, they would start, they would have a pile of beans in front of them and they would be roasting them and or, um, peeling them and then said, well, it's come back, you know, in a couple of days, the finished chocolate will be ready. And so then they'd taste the chocolate and then when they'd leave the hotel, they'd ask if they could buy two or 20 bars. Yeah. There wow. were times that we were packing it up into what looked like kilo packages uh. <laughs> and it's like okay this sending is it a back over the border yeah. and this. so yeah. w- you were selling it at the hotel yeah like but as a personal project no it was on the menu oh, it was, it on, was the on the menu, menu. Oh. and the flavors the deep dark that we've got now was called baja midnight oh. and then we had um leche con almendras the milk chocolate with almonds and you had the como mole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we so and we and then the the we had like so we come up with we we'd experiment with a lot of different flavors, and some mm-hmm. of them were better, more successful than others. What was the worst one? Well, one of my favorites was <laughs> contatopos, which meant with uh, corn chips in the middle of it. Oh, fun! <laughs> that sounds great. Yeah, You've got it to does. understand. The worst one would never get made. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Yeah. Well, why not? I mean, you have to make it one time. <laughs> yeah. Right. The, the ones that didn't turn out was when we decided to follow somebody else's recipe on or instructions on how to roast the beans. And, Interesting. OK, let's go back and do, quote, the proper way to do this. And it's a slow roast and it's a light roast and you do this and you do that. And it was awful. <laughs> And we tried it again, and it was awful. And I said, "I said, honey, yeah, we're both chefs. Intuition? We have yeah. we have lived and done food our entire lives. The, a lot of the people that have gotten into this were in the tech business, or you know, retired attorneys, or it's not food, right? And so we decided to approach this and make a chocolate." that was to our taste as chefs. Mm-hmm. And uh, honestly, I mean, I, Philadelphia girl, Hershey's chocolate. Uh, I mean, I must say I do still really love Reese's peanut butter cups in the eggs or in the trees or I, I can't help it. I just, oh yeah. and I know it's horrible for you. We, hey, we but still eat your them. chocolate is amazing. I mean, Siri, I mean, I'm like so proud of you guys (laughs) for so many reasons, but it was just so exciting. And to see something that is just, I mean, bean to bar and um, like really passion. I mean, the passion comes through. Thank you. It's really. I mean, starting with the outside of the uh, the chocolate as well. well. I mean, there's beautiful labeling. Yeah. Talk, yeah. What's the, what are the labels? So, um, and so we'll just like kind of fast forward a little bit. You know, we moved a year and a half in Mexico. We moved home. We weren't sure what we were going to do yet. And we just said, oh, well, let's make, we're going to go to a party. Let's take some chocolate. We'll make some. And, you know, long story short, we made a batch of chocolate at home, took it to a party. And somehow in three days, it was in the Press Democrat that we were home. 
making wow. chocolate. chocolate. So, um, yeah. you know, there's a few other things in there in between. <laughs> um, but, you know, we had to come up with a lot of like, wow, okay, well, we're going to give this a shot. You know, we need a name. We need to look. And we'd gone through different um, ideas, but we couldn't, nothing real was really clicking until um, we'd come up with a name that we were going to go through. And, and our attorney said, no, you, you you got to find a different name. Somebody There's a potential that. trademark. Mm-hmm. Hershkeys. Yeah. No, you know <laughs> Not going to work. We'll show you pictures later. <laughs> yeah. it w- and, and developed a whole wow. thing of with, well, you'll see. Yeah. Um, but so w- we, we basically had a weekend to come up with a whole new concept. And wow. we, f- we found like, well, you know, it'd be cool to have like a, a three letter name. Like, you know, that's like very easy to remember Quick, yeah so how about we look at a latin dictionary and go back to like a latin three-letter word so they were what they were taken or they would mean something like taking out the garbage or <laughs> you know i've got an upset stomach Sakala basura. <laughs> yeah. yeah sounds great <laughs> right yeah. so but like we we um and this is both of us together on our ipads literally at the same time like oh this this one sounds good We'd gone to four letters because all the three letter, right. letter ones were done. And Volo, you know, and, and then we literally had come up with it. Like, honey, I found one. I found one too. What's yours? It was Volo. And, wow. and, and, it, and the thing is, that the thing that got it was not only the cool look of the of the name, but it was want or desire. Oh, fabulous! So, and but unless you're Italian, and if you're Italian, said oh, flight because it means flight in Italian. So, so but in the, in the original Latin, it's a, a want. I guess or that's volo vino at the airport. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, yeah. wine flights. So, um, oh, so anyway, funny. we kind of came up with that. Well, now we need to do some packaging. So we were walking, trying to think about what packaging would be, and we um, was walking through our house, and uh, we have a quilt hanging on the wall that was. Um, made by my aunt, my mom's sister, who's a fabric um, artist or textile artist, and she would hand paint and hand dye fabric and, and make these wonderful quilts. And like, oh, I wonder if Aunt Katie would let us use uh, a quilt uh, for our label. And oh, so- I'm sure that was a hard no. <laughs> anyway, fast <laughs> forward. Like, Please. We, we've got, all of our labels are based on her quilts. Oh, it's fabulous. And she is so thrilled. She so, has to be, it's yeah. incredible. Well, how many quilts does she have? Hundreds. (laughs) Oh, hundreds of them. And at her house? Kind of in her studio. She's she's been doing this. She's been quilting for, you know, 50, probably 50 years. And she started off very traditional, like, um, you know, farm quilts that, you know, you would see. And then, you know, over time, um, they evolved into much more modern um, art pieces. And so this, I'm just going to show you a bar, which is our... um, dark milk with peppermint this is one of the more traditional uh, milk or uh, quilt patterns that was an earlier one mm-hmm. but then kind of fast forwarding to um, uh, the fig bar which a good friend of ours had suggested that we use figs in chocolate <laughs> I wonder who that was An odd combination <laughs> yes uh, um, it's to a di- you know where the fabric's been dyed and there's different textures of knots tied in in, in different fabrics all together because were these existing quilts or have you actually yes. had her make one specifically for any type of no these are just existing these are all existing the, mm. when we first got this idea Jeff had taken a picture of the one that's now our peppermint bar 
and said, honey, what do you think of this? And I thought, I've, God, that's great. And we don't have to pay anybody for the, for the <laughs> yeah, art. Yeah, exactly. And then you went to see Aunt Katie and you said, okay, we've got these two bars. We've got the deep dark bar and we've got the almond bar. Which quilts do you think that would, you know, that you've made would resonate. look good, mm-hmm. resonate with that? And she's the one that picked out the the one that we use for the deep dark Ooh, that's and, really pretty. Uh, mm-hmm. and then the one for the almond and unique mm-hmm. and different and they certainly pop out mm-hmm. and well that one reminds me of the remember the bus the partridge family used to go around in <laughs> yeah. and had all the different yeah, colors totally. on it yeah that's i love exactly that exactly that one totally I reminds me no of that. idea yeah. what you guys <laughs> no. are talking about yeah. the bus that, that was the that was the pattern of it right um so yeah, so and also it kept it in the family. You know, this yes. is like a family yes. project. I mean, it truly is. So well, your mother's also a quilter. My mother was a quilter. Yeah. So um, so anyway, we we um, just started literally as a we thought we'd do a cottage industry and make them in our kitchen at home, and you know went through the process of, of getting a permit, getting the permit, and or looking into it. Okay. And then we're like, well, <laughs> this is pretty limiting. We can't, you know, we can't really grow. So right. our first thing was to rent um, kitchen space in a shared kitchen in Healdsburg, and quickly outgrew that. And then we found, um, well, we're this is we need something that's you know bigger and, and we can spread out more because it takes a lot of specialized equipment and lots of area for sheet pans. So we found a, a manufacturing kitchen in Petaluma uh, that was had an opening and there were like, you know, six other people in there making their products. And so you would have, you know, like two days a week that you would come in and, and be able to do that. And we did that and it was good. And but it was in Petaluma. And we were in Healdsburg. Is this Did on we talk the, about this? Is this on the boulevard heading north? No, it's, it's on, on Payron. It's on. It's in okay. a, a industrial complex. Okay. Um, so we said we got to find something closer to home. Uh, and by this time, we were, you know, we were actually selling it. Right. Wait, wait, wait. Can I ask the question? So what? What is the plan for the chocolate? So you want to make chocolate, but are you planning on selling it to? Friends, family, restaurants, and stores. Like, what are what are you thinking? We had no clue at the beginning. <laughs> you just you just wanted to make this chocolate. But somebody will give us money. Friends, right. Your yeah. chef friends, your chef friends. Like, I know um, Josh put a chocolate dessert yeah. on their menu. Yeah. Josh yeah. Silver. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Josh yeah. Silver yeah. and yeah. Mark Stark. It's so, Mark Stark Steakhouse. Yeah. So the the amazing thing is once we once we um, uh, you know were under production in our own facility, which we we eventually opened in Windsor. Um, and, it, and it came out that we were, you know, we now had wholesale uh, available. We didn't make any sales calls. All <laughs> of our first customers were our friends um, from the wine business. Or from word of mouth. Mm-hmm. We had wineries calling us. I heard you're making chocolate. We want it. We, we'll, we'll come and do a tasting. No, we just want it. Yeah, yeah send it. And I so, was the same way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I didn't need to taste it. I so trusted it. it, it and it was amazing. I mean, we truly did like... You know, we were, we were just shocked because we were like, people were calling us and said, um, yeah, we don't have enough, <laughs> you know? Wow. And so we got us to the point where we had to, um, you know, we had to look at this seriously and figure out how to ramp up production, how to scale it, how to make a living off of it. Right. And, um, you know, that's where we are now coming into this. Uh, yeah. How long has it been since you made the first um, sale? Like <sighs> wholesale sale? Yeah. Or so... It'll be this coming March. It'll be two years. Yeah. And it'll be so awesome. three years um, uh, since we started it in Mexico. So, yeah. um, 
but yeah, and it's and we've learned, you know, we've made all the mistakes that all chocolate makers make. We've learned that we weren't the only ones that did bonehead moves in the beginning, <laughs> which was oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, you know, misery loves company. So, right. um, but we've learned so much, and we've and so much of it is about sourcing um, cacao from a, you know, from a, a, a reputable importer that you know focuses on you know tr fair trade or transparent trade and and you've gone to see some of these plantations right we went to guatemala the company we buy it through is uncommon cacao and they're based out of berkeley and were started by a woman that originally was a, an environmental eco activist and was in belize and then got into uh, green investing Wow. And worked with some of her clients and talked to them about this idea she had of launching a company that would go above and beyond fair trade and help. I mean, at this point, they go in, they plant something like 140 to 150,000 trees a year in almost all the regions that they're working with. And they have brought as in... As a give back? As a give or, back. Wow. Well, as a production. For as like a production. Yeah. Okay. So, the, um, so the, anyway, they're, they're, they're a, like a, a great importer, but they'll, like Susan was saying, they'll, they'll go in and, and help um, a culture that has been, been treated poorly by the chocolate business yeah. um, and uh, tr you know, work with in kind of retraining them, investing in them, and um, you know, end result is... Yeah. She she saw that there were I mean, this woman was is amazing Emily Stone, at twenty five she backpacked by herself through Guatemala. Wow, that's pretty incredible, and she went and saw so many different places that were growing cacao cocoa, and uh, she thought she saw in Belize that a lot of the cocoa beans that were coming out of there were a very high quality that they had lots of standards and there was checks in place for throughout the growing. And so she came back and has been teaching the farmers and the farmers have come into associations and taught them, you know, at what point do you start harvesting the, the pods for the cocoa beans? And literally they use a refractometer much it's the exact same tool that's for used wines. for wines and they do it uh it's ready to pick when it's between 16 and 21 bricks wow. and it's cool yeah so yeah so so it's a you know the proper ripeness of the mm -hmm. fruit and then the fermentation and they monitor you know it, how long to ferment and at what temperature do you ferment mm -hmm. it till and then how what's the proper drying and well, so you're getting some consistency and excellence. Right. Yeah. yeah. And what's the harvest season like for chocolate? I mean, is it a, can you get a couple crops a year? Or yeah, is so it they're like two crops, um, usually just ahead of the rainy seasons. So basically f um, for like Guatemala, you know, it was in the late spring and then, then also in the fall. Um, huh. So, um, but once we connected with Uncommon Cacao and, and got, you know, quality ingredients, we really... Stepped um, it up. I mean, things became a lot easier. Oh, and yeah. and learning how to make chocolate. You know, you could never make um, good chocolate with poor cocoa beans. Like you're never going to make good right. wine right. with bad grapes, right? right? It's got to start in the right. vineyard or, or on the um, plantation. So, we uh, had gotten used to using the specific beans in Mexico, 
and found out that they were grown in the state of Chiapas. And the ones that we were getting were a very good quality. And when we came back to the United States, it was very difficult to find any of the beans from Chiapas. And the ones that we were getting were not consistent in quality. They would, some would arrive that hadn't been fermented properly at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and so finding uncommon cacao was. Well, and I a love great also boon. that, you know, you are putting your sources right on the label so mm-hmm. people can see where these come from. Yeah. Is the intention to have the same, like, so for this particular chocolate, the figs, hazelnuts, and almonds, 62% dark milk, will they always come from Haiti or? We're going to try, but it's a, you know, it's an agricultural commodity. Right. There could be a hurricane that comes in. Exactly. And, and uh, you know, so our thing is to really look for, the, the, the flavor profile of the bean that we like for that bar and to keep it, you know, um, close to that. And we love um, that the, these beans come from Haiti and they, you know, they're, it's, a, it's, an, it's, a, it's a, a lot of the flavors that we really liked from our beans from original from Chiapas, Mexico. And the same thing is true from the beans for the beans that we get from Guatemala. And we fell in love with this one area of Guatemala and we were all the beans. We were like, oh, my gosh, this is so great. And then we learned, like, oh, well, they, they had an issue happen with the harvest, <laughs> and they aren't available. So we're, like, we were kind of crushed oh, yeah. for a little bit. Kind of uh, crushed. He's being uh, kind. I was, uh, like, face down on the floor uh-huh. crying. <laughs> <laughs> but fortunately, um, Uncommon Cacao works with a lot of these cooperatives in, in these various countries. So we had actually visited another area while we were visiting there uh, that grew beans, and we tried some of their beans, and it was, like, Okay, this is like, it's maybe not exactly the same fruit flavors mm-hmm. that we liked in the Lachua, but these polo chick beans that we started using, just a different area, different variety, you know, grown slightly differently. Um, we made chocolate that we loved out of that. So And so each, each bar has a batch number on it, and it's an individually made batch. And like a vintage? No, mm. just like a different run of chocolate. Different run, okay. so yeah. And it's like we've so we've gone through three different uses of harvests of beans. We had a 2016 Lachua that had a finish like dried cherry. 2017 had a finish like fresh cherry, and now it's back to that dried cherry flavor again. I think it sounds like vintage. It's it's yeah. so much <laughs> right. like that. And who the the wineries that are taking the chocolate mm. are they using it specifically for a for a red wine and chocolate pairing, or are they just selling it in the gift shops? So um, or eating it, obviously uh, too. Uh, I'm uh, sure it's a good mix. So um, one of the um, so we do little sample pieces which they like. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. do, um, and one of the things about our chocolate, which separates us from pretty much most other chocolate, is that as we make chocolate as chefs, we don't treat this as a candy. We treat it as a food. Right. All of our chocolate has the most ingredient, uh, most important ingredient in the whole world in it, which is a touch of salt. And like anything you make, if it doesn't have salt, it tastes flat. You know, salt right. in baking is important and salt in anything. It helps you taste the other flavors that are in there. Um, so wineries like our chocolate because it makes for an easier wine pairing mm-hmm. than most other chocolate. So, um, you know, chocolate and, you know, the, the, sh- the sweetness and the wines, and they sometimes fight. But having that touch of savoriness helps ours, you know, uh, play, play nice. 
Plus, is there? I'm sorry. Oh, I was going to say the the dark milk chocolate that we make also has browned butter, mm-hmm. and we caramelize the milk. Mm. Yeah, and so those those savory flavors um, make it great for wine, but they also make it amazing for cheese. Oh. So we have several wineries that we've uh, we've actually worked with to do uh, chocolate and cheese pairing. So they'll have a special, you know, a, a available at the winery. Sit down, have a flight of wines, have a, a specifically paired um, cheese and a and a specifically paired piece of our chocolate, which I call the trifecta because uh-huh. the three of them together <laughs> right. are amazing. Mm-hmm. So. Now, is there a certain way how to taste chocolate? Like, should you? taste chocolate or other I mean I just like throw it in my <laughs> mouth <laughs> well being being Swiss German and knowing that there's a right way of doing everything <laughs> um, I'll give you a little piece here of the peppermint so mm. that we can go through the partridge family peppermint yes the partridge. oh that's so terrible here. so don't put it in your mouth yet no no can I smell mm. it yes yes so what you're going to do, I'll, I'll use this one as the example. Both hands, you hold it between thumb and fingers and rub it together and then smell it. Because you're wanting to bring that lovely chocolate smell and up. And the heat from and your And the heat from your, fingers. exactly. So now you're going to put it in your mouth. You're going to chew down on it two or three times and now float it around on your tongue to hit all your taste buds. And then close your eyes, <laughs> drift away, mm. and taste it. Santa Claus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the one I gave you oh. was the, the peppermint bar with the cocoa mm. nibs. So you get wow. that full, you get everything from the richness of the chocolate and the creaminess and it just hits so many places that I'm like, my mouth is having a party. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's that, I mean, l- it's that little bit of salt that helps mm-hmm. it linger on the palate mm-hmm. and it, keeps, it just keeps opening up. Yeah. It's just, and it's so balanced. It's yeah. right. so velvety and, but the crunch from the peppermint, you know, you have a, the texture of that. And those are the nibs. Oh, yeah. and the nibs. Yeah. Or that is the nibs. That is the nibs. Wow. So that you're getting. A reinforcement mm-hmm. of that deep chocolate because that is pure chocolate. Mm. And there's some way that Heaven. you bring the temperature up and then <laughs> decrease it, right? Or something that you have some special trick that makes it so it has those little crystals in the chocolate. Oh, you know about crystals. <laughs> well, he's a good yeah. researcher. I, yeah. uh-huh. no, and, and not just that, there's it's like cheese. There are certain types of cheese that I eat at work that have those little crystals oh. in them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's just amazing. Yeah, so so tempering is the process where you take, you know, your melted chocolate and you have to heat it and cool it in order to build the right um, crystal structure so that your finished chocolate has a snap to it. It's shiny. You know, if you have just melted chocolate um, and it's not tempered, it's splotchy, it's broken, it it never... It'll bend and flex, and it yeah. doesn't. It'll taste grainy when you taste it. Yeah. So I've made that kind of chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> so, so having that go, go, going through the correct tempering process, which is a whole you know scientific um, you know process in its own, uh, is what separates you know just a remelted chocolate from a beautiful finished piece of chocolate. Right. 
And how are you grinding when you're actually getting the the cocoa pods in? You're you're shelling, you're roasting, and then you're grinding the nibs as well. I mean, you're doing everything A to Z. Yeah. So f- what we get in are dried, properly fermented and dried mm-hmm. beans. And how long do they take to ferment? Uh, they f- so they ferment in country, and it's a six to seven day fermentation process. Okay, not that bad. Okay. So when we get them, they are raw, mm-hmm. and then they are roasted. Um, and this is where Jeff has built one of the fun of gadgets. <laughs> he said, "Honey, the way we're doing it, we were doing it in hotel pans and having to rotate it in a convection oven every five minutes and stir, and it was." making me a little crazy. (laughs) (laughs) And so Jeff decided to convert the convection oven into a roaster. A drum roaster. Yeah. He's a genius. Yeah, so uh, basically made a stainless steel drum that rotates in the oven. Uh, So everything is roasted evenly. There's no opening and closing the door to stir things. Mm -hmm. Loaded in easy, loaded out. So in a process that used to take six hours is basically now down to three hours wow yeah, yeah that's one of those things you don't see in an infomercial no <laughs> no. <laughs> no yeah no yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. wow so uh, do you ever see yourself like finding the manufacturer that you could well create that commercially no you know what and that's a, like no. a whole nother story because right. i had a, i'd worked on a um a patent for another type of a device a while ago um, but for us right now at our size it, this is what works and, and and it can work for for quite a while you know as if if we were to grow a lot i would one or two things i would either find some money to buy a, a real roaster or or build another one like this <laughs> right. that, was, that was bigger. Right. Why buy it when you can play with <laughs> yeah. it? Right. Build it. Now, are other chocolate people, are they helpful? Do they give info? Are they like chefs? They're, they're um, A, that they're, they're very helpful. They're, um, I think that, you know, having spent time in, in both worlds, I think the chefs can be a little more guarded oh, with, yeah. with their secrets. Interesting. Whereas, um, and this is the thing, a lot of the chocolate makers, like Susan had said earlier, come from the high tech side, you know, about open source. They're like, yeah, I'll show you exactly how we do ours because you'll probably, you're going to use yours different. So when we first were back in the States and I'm uh, going to these conferences and meeting other chocolate makers and they would literally tell you what, how to do it how they where they went wrong where they you know how to build this or how to make it better so very forthcoming in sharing mm-hmm. information That's awesome. yeah but it That's was really funny because nice. we we came from this feeling of the very forthcoming and when we were traveling in guatemala we were there with probably about 10 other chocolate makers and there were a couple of them that were like so how do you do that oh it's a good process and it's like no no how do you do it? Oh. Mm. Day two into day three, they're like, okay, I do this, and then I do that. (laughs) And this is a brand new industry. I mean, it's, what, eight years old, coming up on Mm -hmm. nine years that people have been doing this. Like from bean to bar. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. because it was, you know, Hershey's. Yeah, right. It was mass-produced. Yes. Yeah. You know, before Scharfenberger came out and and basically, you know, created a small brand. And again, from the wine business. From the wine business. There's no, there's no in between. You know, there's no um, small chocolate making. Like, right. so if you went back 20 years ago, 
you know, um, you couldn't do this. You just, you, you know, there were going to be no cocoa beans in the United States no. unless you were Hershey's. Um, then there was just no knowledge on how to do it unless you went to, you know, a, a food engineering school in South America or something. So right. it truly, it's only been um, in existence, uh, you know, Scharfenberger in the late 90s kind of pioneered it, but then not again until like 2008, 2009 that other people started to kind of, kind of, kind of like home brewers started, right? You know, mm-hmm. nobody, you know, 40 years ago, there was no home brewing, right? There was right. just, it started that same way. So now just there's never heard about it. Yeah. So now it's this same type of thing where there's, um, co- you know, online communities that have sprung up and um, lots of um, chocolate makers owe everything that they know to one man uh, who has a website called Chocolate Alchemy. Oh, interesting. And that's where we learned pretty much a lot of what we know. But it's every other chocolate maker has some connection to uh, John, the guy that started that, because he was an, he's an engineer, and he showed how to make chocolate with non-chocolate-making equipment because right. it, it didn't exist. Mm-hmm. So he, st- he also started off um, in, as a coffee roaster. Right. I was I've been thinking about coffee while we've been talking about Mm -hmm. chocolate. And there's a lot of similarities in that you need to roast the beans and fermentation and um, and the fact that it doesn't grow around here. I mean, is that (laughs) what is it not possible to grow? Yeah. Cocoa beans anywhere. Does it have to be close to the equator? Yeah, It has to be 20 degrees either north or south of the equator. Wow. And you have to have the right insect. You have to have the right pollinators. I mean, it's all it's not Mm -hmm. just about having the. You know, you could create a, an, a greenhouse to, to you know, to uh, grow a cocoa plant, but it'll never give you fruit because you don't have the right, you know, natural insect pollinators. Wow. So. Um, it's fascinating. There's just yeah. so much yeah. to it. Oh, yeah. boy. The, what we th- what we thought we knew and what we've ended up learning yeah. is vast. Yeah, yeah, it's incredible. So how how big do you see this going? I mean, you're doing also small chalk. I mean, you're doing. Uh, bars, but you're doing what do you call individual chocolate so, truffles or well, well, our main focus is the bars, but you know we, we, we're being chefs. We like to experiment, so we're you know um, we're setting up part of our tiny factory to have a, a retail space where people could come in, and so we want to offer a couple other products that aren't just chocolate bars. So we've looked right. at making softer, smaller chocolates, offering cocoa nibs and. Um, other things like that to, to kind of draw people to it. But I mean, we, we want to, we want to keep growing, keep, you know, okay. we have a great, yep. uh, you know, right now we have had such a great response in Sonoma County and in wine country, basically, because Mendocino, mm-hmm. Napa, uh, Sonoma has been great, but we're, you know, every year we're, we're just, we're building. That's yeah. great. And how many people do you have working for you? Uh, we zero. have one full-time employee. <laughs> <laughs> and so we've fun. just hired uh, a high school student, um, and I think she's going to work something like ten hours a week. Yeah. So. Otherwise, it's us. Yeah. Wow. No, it's. I mean, it's the way you do it. Yeah. You know, you start. You know everything. You grow it. You're touching it all. It's. Mm-hmm. Um, How did this y- lucky high school it. student get the get that job? Yeah, a friend of ours. We were lamenting one day that we needed to find somebody, and he said. Uh, you know what? I have friends with a winery, and their daughter is smart, good attention to detail. She's a hard worker there, and let me mention it to her. And 
she contacted us wrote a lovely letter dear dear Mm -hmm. mr and mrs mall came (laughs) on the interview and and we know her mom and so they both came and Mm -hmm. we interviewed her and then she wrote us a note thanking us and we offered her the position and then the next morning i'm calling her at school can you work today (laughs) (laughs) and it was like just jump into the Uh, deep end end. but the thing that i was i've been so amazed by is we had a flurry. We had to get out something, what, 18 packages last week? Wow. And it's, you know, 5 o'clock. It's got to be in there by 5 because there's a, a whole thing about shipping and what day you can ship. And it can't sit in a warm right. warehouse right. because it's chocolate and what's going to need to have chill packs. And she just put her head down and was working. And anybody else, I think, would have been panicking. That's and awesome. We, we we got all the packages done and we had like literally like 10 minutes to get to the post office and i'm like can you carry that box like okay jump in the car so we literally raced to the post office and she and i like oh, ran, ran, ran into great. the door her carrying a giant box with like eight packages and me carrying like a you know two cases of everything else and i'm like thank you so much you know you really jumped yeah. in and, she's a rock star but know, and our other employee was our pastry chef at Zinn for seven years. Oh, that's nice. So yeah. that's family. Yeah. It's totally yeah. family. What, um, do you, so are you going to stay with direct-to-consumer, or are you starting to think about brokers or distribution? Probably direct-to-consumer. I mean, we would have to grow quite a bit. And um, at this point, you know, right right now we're, we're, we're looking at the future, but we're, our main focus is today and tomorrow. Right. Um, so, you know, in, uh, we fit in a slightly different niche than the other, a lot of other chocolate makers because of, um, uh, our, our savoriness in the chocolate, because it has that just touch of salt that really, you don't even notice is there, but it, it helps it taste differently. Um, most of our chocolate is not sold in the chocolate section of a store. We're, we're sold in the cheese department. Yeah. Uh. And so w- it's been great to approach a different um person in the store than the chocolate buyer we approach the cheese buyer Hmm. um and this goes back to our pairing you know of of chocolate and cheese but if you especially now as as more and more people are making bean to bar chocolate there's you could look at a wall of chocolate and see you know 200 different brands oh it's it's like you don't even know what to pick right but the thing that's been so interesting we've watched is how many of them actually are bean to bar and right. how many of them look like they're bean to bar but you can't see that right. anywhere or, how, on there. or where they're being co-packed yeah. with different right. labels yeah right. I mean, it's kind of like the the big breweries getting on the micro by making their packaging look thing exactly but when you go into the cheese department there's sometimes they have two chocolates right. and and we have our our full array there and we love that the people who who buy um cheese by fine cheese they're used to they're in that mode of like you know um quality or uh, driven quality oriented um willing to spend a little extra money on on a product so Mm -hmm. uh being in the cheese apartment's a great uh a great spot and coming full circle jeff's work with woodworking and having done the barrel stave bread displays for zinn he's now doing these absolutely gorgeous barrel displays 
that's great. Yeah. Yeah. They're that's quite great. Yeah. 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 So now wow. where, if, if people want to find this chocolate, if, if they live here locally in Sonoma County, where would they be able to find the chocolate? Uh, we're at all the Oliver's markets. The Roan oh, Room. We're at the, the Roan room. room. Yes, first and foremost. We're yes, right. the fig bars at the Girl and the Fig. Yeah. Oh, um, good. Really? Um, yeah. So um, the uh, the Roan Room, um, Oliver's markets, um, around Healdsburg, Big John's, um, and then a number of tasting rooms, uh, but also online uh, from our, our online store. At and right. you have a chocolate club? We do have we a chocolate do. club. Which is fabulous. Yep. And yeah. there's still room in that chocolate club? There, there is. is. No. Yeah. Okay. Not a waiting list yet. No. Not right. yet. But and uh, what do you get in the chocolate club? Is it uh, annual? Is it like a quarterly shipment? Monthly. Monthly Monthly. Shipment. Yeah. It's chocolate, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And you can sign up for um, four bars a month. And we do a rotation of our bars. Um, and that's the... I <laughs> that's the Gustus. Then you can get the collection once a month, which is our six original bars, or you can get the Maximus, which is the six original bars and then a bonus bar of like whatever we've just come up with. Wow, that's great! Are you not entertained by my chocolate, <laughs> the Maximus? Yeah. I think I see a Christmas present for yeah. my wife. Well, that's what I was trying to do today. I'm right. like thinking I'm going to, yeah. Not you. You don't get chocolate. Uh, well, you know well, There's plenty of now. chocolate right exactly. here in front there of me. There is. There <laughs> is. Exactly. Well, we have enjoyed, um, we have, I don't know how often people do it, but we have a wine and chocolate tasting that we offer. And actually, it's um, if you get a card at the restaurant, they send you down to the Roan Room and you have oh, a good. complimentary tasting with the chocolate. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it seems to be working slowly. We're getting people here. But who does? I mean, it's it's so delicious. I'm just so Thank happy you. for you guys. Thank you. And I um, just so glad you're back. And even though you're far up in Healdsburg, it's always good to see you. Oh, well, it's great to see you too. Sweetheart. Yeah, so fun. And Sandra, can I throw you a curveball on the uh, on the wine and chocolate tasting? Sure. I've heard that Pickpool goes really well with chocolate, and it, I'm sure a lot of people don't know, even know what Pickpool is, but people right. in the Rhone community do, and that's something that you have available I'm here. Have I to don't try know why. That. And you know, what cheese? Actually, yeah, I want to know. Oh, good question. Um, I'm sure that like this could be a whole show in its own. Oh, absolutely. But like, what are a few quick tips on cheese and chocolate pairing? Um, I think that, uh, so pretty much any kind of dark chocolate works with cheese. What we've found is that the other inclusions that are on the chocolate will, will more direct a specific cheese. So like our, our dark milk chocolate that has brown butter and olive oil roasted almonds with a triple cream cow's milk like Mount Tam mm. yeah. is just a, a pure heaven. At the same time, like an aged sheep's milk cheese with our mocha is another so it's just there's a lot of experimenting a lot, a lot, of, experimenting. lot of experimenting that yeah. would be a really fun pop-up oh to do just really yeah the yeah i mean and so pick pool and chocolate and what cheese are we going to throw in there Ooh, I don't know. Because Pickpool, white wine. Um, Probably something like a goat's, right? You're thinking something with a little so tang to it. Maybe. So the, when we've done the deep dark, we'll do uh, Sonoma Dry Jack or we'll do a Parmesan okay, or so real a cheddar. Dry. Okay. That's real like dry. But, but that 
I don't, that's more for a deeper red. Right. Possibly. So what we've seen um, some people do is um, our chocolate orange, which is our, our right. deep dark oh, chocolate with a candied orange. Citrus. Where mm-hmm. you pull in the citrus, uh, you know, there's been a couple different white wines that I've seen uh, different that wineries, well. which fun. to we'll me to in the beginning that. sounds, you know, not right. But when you, when you find the, the chocolate or in the wine and find that cheese to kind of pull the three of them together. Yeah. Like one of our favorite cheeses is um, to go with the, the chocolate orange is a uh, Sergeant pepper made by Cypress Grove. So oh, it's a fresh mm-hmm. goat milk cheese oh. with go. harissa and chilies. Oh. So that little bit of the orange with that little bit of heat and then that creamy um, goat cheese. It's so good. Done. Yeah. <laughs> Done is right. Yeah. Done is right. <laughs> Uh, well, this has been so much fun. Um, I've actually learned stuff. Right. I mean, how can you not? Yeah. No, I have one um, story which I have to share. I don't know if I ever told you this. So the first time I was in Rancho Pescadero, I was there for two weeks. First week, my mom was there, and we had a nice week together, and then I sent her off home, and I stayed. And during that week, I got ill. I had a really bad cold. And the people at Rancho Pescadero, they were very, very wonderful. The staff was amazing. I mean, somebody took me to the hospital to try and get medicine, ended up taking the wrong medicine, like (laughs) something for asthma and got even sicker. But, um, you know, my Wi-Fi was working and, you know, I'd like try and go outside and get some sun, but I was really weak. Nothing, I couldn't keep anything down. Um, and I wasn't leaving. I was like, I'm determined to stay. Well, I get home and I got a $43,000 Verizon bill. Oh, that's right. I am not kidding. 43,000. And I'm like, okay, I don't think so. Why did no one even tell me when I hit a thousand? Because right. who in their right mind would spend that much on like internet like on something completely invisible i i ended up getting it down to about twelve hundred dollars but if you can imagine like the heart attack because the wi-fi there there were some crazy things going on but (laughs) truth be told i i i was watching movies i i didn't know yeah forty three thousand dollars i'm like oh my god that's like a down payment on a house. Yeah, we've we've yeah. Um, taken care of that now. It we we're now doing a resort fee um, at the hotel. This really? is kind of a new thing. <laughs> Interesting. And so, as as a part of the resort fee, what you can do is now, you know, the complimentary wine tasting that we do in the lobby. Well, that's part of your resort fee. That's how we're able to do those things. The free juice and coffee in the morning. We're able to do that because of the resort fee. So how you much just, is a resort fee? I don't know. <laughs> it's probably like $50 a day it's, or something. It's something like that. It's something yeah. like 40 or $50 yeah. a day. So, um, and that covers a lot of the downloading and, so and You just streaming. need to talk to your friends yeah. down there at Rancho Pescadero right. and tell them they need to institute a resort I'm sure, fee. It sounds well, like it the needs second, uh, The next time I went down, I had no issues. The Wi-Fi. I mean, literally in talking to them... They admitted that they were having serious issues in Mexico with the Wi-Fi, that yeah. they oh, were yeah. misbilling and doing all sorts of things. But I, I was like, you got to yeah. be kidding me. Yeah, try it's living that, down there. Yeah. Oh, I, I know. I know we could do a whole show on just the funny outtakes of uh, your life oh, yeah. down there. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so, so much. Uh, thank um, you. Really fun. So much really for having fun. us. Uh, 
Yeah, if anyone wants to get the chocolates, you can go to volochocolate.com. And it sounds like maybe you're trying to set up some way where people can come directly to the facility and purchase yep. chocolate in the front. Yeah. But that's not currently happening. Or if they give you I a wink when they come in. Yeah. Well, they might show up with uh, some cash. Yeah. We're working to set up Tuesday through Friday, 1 to 5. Nice. And Saturdays, 11 to 5. And okay. farmer's markets? Uh, well, uh, for us, they just ended at, okay. in, uh, in November. Um, so we'll, this will give us time to before next spring because we really just do the Healdsburg farmer's markets. Um, we could do more, but it pulls us out of our production right. side right. more. Right. So Can't do everything. Yeah, Mm-mm. So, um, but we're already at work. We're making chocolate every day so people can come mm-hmm. by. They can uh, see something. And, and they already have been. I mean, we, don't, we didn't even have a sign on our it's building awesome. and people would knock on the door and they'll be like, I saw your address on the back of the chocolate bar, <laughs> but yeah. this, your sign That's says, great. you know, red coating something. Like, oh, that was the business before us, but uh, yeah, awesome. come on in. Yeah. So, I mean, chocolate's one of those amazing things. I think I've met two people in my life that have told me that they don't like chocolate. Yeah. And I'm yeah. almost 50. <laughs> I don't know anybody. Yeah, yeah, I well, I'm always, I think the two times that someone yeah. said that to me, I looked at them incredulously like, what are you talking about? Yeah, um, it's just you? one of those things yeah. that people love and will, yeah. will seek out. So when they hear you have good chocolate, yeah. Yeah. bolochocolate.com, come yeah, by and really see them. Yeah, and, and Oliver's, mm-hmm. which is my favorite store because I live down the street from uh, from an Oliver's. Yeah, pick up the chocolate. Very nice to meet you both. Lovely Thank to you. meet you. Yeah, and good luck with all your um, ventures going forward. I can't wait to see see the new quilts on yes, the uh, bars yes. and new yes. flavors um i know we just tried something when you came in that had lemon and olive oil it was amazing oh thank it you yeah yeah well jeff and susan thank you so much Sandra. you got anything for closing uh no i just love you guys and so good to see we you love you too yeah. thank yeah. you so much awesome. for having us really cool well this has been the bike goes on with Sandra bernstein and brian casey we'll look forward to seeing you next week thanks for listening thank you